0: Welcome to the Modern Miss Mason podcast. My name is Leah Bowden, longtime student of Charlotte Mason's work and practitioner of her methods. I love to share my research, reading, tips, and tricks as I travel this rewarding journey, and I delight in helping others get the most out of theirs too. Through these conversations, I'll introduce you to fellow homeschooling mums, experienced teachers and practitioners, and expert voices in the subjects that Charlotte Mason encourages as part of the feast of education. I hope I can help you find the fun and the freedom in her philosophy. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Modern Miss Mason podcast. I hope you're doing well, although I do know there is so much going on across the world right now. England is about to go into another national lockdown due to the COVID-19 crisis and I know it's a big week for the United States of America as it's election week. So there is a lot to contend with in our hearts, our homes and across our nations. So I hope that this half an hour, 40 minutes of a conversation helps you feel like you're amongst friends, you're not alone, and maybe bring a little bit of comfort and hope. My guest today really doesn't need a huge introduction. I'm sure most of you will have heard of her, you'd have listened to her podcast, maybe heard her speak, been to one of her conferences or at least read one of the 22 books she has published so far. Yes, today I'm having a conversation with none other than the wonderful Sally
1: Clarkson. There are storms that we all have. We all have different stories. We all fail. We all have children who we think, where did that child come from? Or where did that husband come from? Or where did this story come from? And um, so I have found that I I put people in my life that I regularly um, develop closer friendships with so that I know they will be committed to helping me feel loved, understood, supported, prayed for, and continue to be my friend.
0: Many of you will remember from Season 1 of the Modern Miss Mason podcast – Joy Clarkson came on to speak to us about poetry. Joy is the youngest of Sally's four children and um, I'm hoping we may get some of the others on too in um, episodes to come. But Sally has four children, two sons, two daughters. She is grandmother to two children and um, she is, as I've already said, a speaker, podcaster, um, prolific author and a mentor and voice of wisdom and strength into thousands of women's lives all across the world. Sally and I first got to know each other through speaking at Wild and Free conferences. I then had the honor of speaking at a couple of her conferences that she was doing here um, in England and in Scotland. We have found ourselves on the same flight home and talked most of the way. And I've also had the privilege of uh, having tea and treats with her in her lovely home in Oxford. Unfortunately, due to COVID restrictions, we weren't able to record this in person. Um, But it was such a privilege to catch half an hour with Sally and just listen in on a little bit of her home education journey. end this week's episode with another beautiful reading of a poem from last week's guest amber o'neill johnston she was kind enough to record two for me so i thought i would give you another one this week so stay till the end and listen to amber's poem guys i have got some amazing guests coming up over the next three or four weeks before we wrap up season two of the podcast And I've also got amazing plans for season three in January, uh, which will start with a live podcast live webinar on motherhood, which is going to be called Something to Grow By. So if you want to know more about that um, and to register your interest, go either to the link in my um, Instagram or Facebook or go to the link in the podcast and just click on webinar, something to grow by, pop in your email address, and I will send you all the information when that is available. So let's jump into our conversation now with Sally Clarkson. And of course, I started with the question that I've been asking most of our guests this season. How did you
1: first meet Charlotte Mason? This might surprise people, but um. If- course I started uh this whole journey of home education um I think it was 37 years ago if you can imagine 36 37 years ago because um I began getting interested in it uh when I was pregnant with Sarah who's my first daughter who is um almost 37 yeah and um when she was still in the womb Clay and I decided we need something better than the education we had and um and so uh, I had I had happened upon her. Uh, it's a long story, but we had kind of a a connection to Susan Schaefer Macaulay through some um, different relationships and stuff. And also, um, eventually, my Sarah and Joel, my two oldest, worked in Cambridge with them um, for a while. So I, I was kind of, um, they were some significant people in, in, um, helping introduce me to her, but also this is a funny thing, but some of you will know Karen Andriola. Oh, yes. And Karen Andriola and I had, uh, we lived, uh, just less than a, or about a mile from each other and we were good friends. And, uh, she and her husband Dean had just been in the UK and they had had the Charlotte Mason series. They were in the process of talking about charlotte mason and having the the series published and our children were around the same age and we did a lot together we were real kindred spirits and um she spoke at one of our first conferences and so um i had a lot of conversations with her about That's charlotte amazing yeah isn't that fun and yeah. uh, many many years ago uh when we were both just starting out at all this and we were both very idealistic so um kind of two people uh she and also Susan Schaefer Macaulay were in my life way back, back then.
0: Wow. And I know so many people are probably amazed at that because these (laughs) are the, well, these are the early, for anybody who has journeyed at all with the Charlotte Mason philosophy, they are the names that they begin with, you know, they kind of pick up for the children's sake or the Charlotte Mason companion. And often they're, uh, educators will meet those works before they even read charlotte mason's books if they you know if they ever do
1: read or yes i think so um, i think those were yeah. kind of like the uh, the reader's guide uh people yes you know and yeah yeah so i was um i actually uh was involved right at the beginning of people rediscovering her that's
0: incredible now from Our reading of your work and your recent book, which we'll talk about in a moment, I can see that you yourself and Clay carved your own educational philosophy out for your children. But would you say that the Charlotte Mason philosophy helped that in any way or influenced how you moved
1: forward with with your children? You know, I think the thing is, is as you're developing the philosophy of education, we read a lot of different things about education and we really believed in books and reading aloud because of a a study we had done that was, um, that was given from the um, uh, Smithsonian Institute in Washington, DC. And so I think what happens sometimes is um, when people find an idea or a person, whether it's you or me or Charlotte Mason or whoever, they think it's an original idea that no one else has ever thought you
0: know (laughs) (laughs) well and we know and we obviously know from charlotte's from her writing she was heavily influenced by education well either either contemporaries or people who'd gone before her you can
1: you can see the path of her influence can't you Mm -hmm. as you read her things yeah and so for me it was more of a um Oh, here's a person who thinks like I do and of course yes. um I'm sure that many of the things I read from her uh I implicated, you know. I mean, it's hard to know when you when you look back over 37 years um was it the egg first or the chicken. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, and so um I I more found a kindred spirit in Charlotte yes. Mason and um so we we were we felt very validated in what we had already believed. We had been living in Europe for a while, and um, then of course um, Karen and I were having conversations, uh, and she and Dean had you know kind of rediscovered these books, and so it was kind of a um, an organic process. Um, I love that of uh, reading, thinking, um, implicating, and then of course probably what we added to it a lot was um, the whole area of. Uh, mentoring and and discipleship yes. um, was a, a very strong foundation amidst everything and so uh, i I highly respect her love her writings um, love my friends that I discussed all of this with and yet when i when I was there there wasn't um, a curriculum. There wasn't, um, you know, a, a, this is what you need to study when. This is the progress. This, right. We we just thought, yes, another idealist who has a lot of the things that we believe in. I hope that's okay for yeah. me to say. <laughs>
0: no, that's amazing. Well, and and you are in a great company, absolutely, because you know it's obviously been a um, a part of my study over the past so for fifteen years is reading her work, but actually the ultimately she her writing and uh, has to add to whatever god has given our family and, and the convictions that are already there that are foundational to each family's life and i'm very much about um each individual expression of that and i i found in in reading Awaking wonder sally that there were the flavors of these educational philosophies but at the heart of it was was what you and clay had set out to do with your children which was Uh, like you just said discipleship and and Charlotte Mason wasn't married she wasn't a mother Mm -hmm. right right (laughs) so you know and uh she was British and and you're not Uh and you kind of have to we have to read in context and we have to say how can this you know can this add to who we already are and what uh, and what we're becoming? um one 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 paragraph I picked out from from your book says this if i can just read some of your work back to you sally oh, yes, <laughs> i love, I love this. it <laughs> it says um education is not about enacting a prescriptive box sort of curriculum-based classroom but instead it's about passing on a legacy of a love for learning an independent joy in discovery a motivation to bring light beauty and goodness back into the world of our children um and and that is that is incredible um this this book is is so beautiful i know it's been received so well in the in the world of home education but you didn't actually write and speak about home education for quite a while, mm-hmm. did you? What brought the shift? What kind of caused you to bring this back into your, your writing and speaking?
1: Well, I, um, I love home education. It's probably the best work of my lifetime. And I, I miss having my children around so that I can read new books oh, because
0: yes. they were the
1: means through which I was always learning about new books. Um, but I think that uh, as I you know as Clay and I prayed about our lives and looked at our lives, um, we really felt that there was a broader group of people of moms not and, and we always have ministered to homeschool moms. They've been at the core of our our lives, our our um, our heart our thought. But we thought, you know we've learned so much about, home and legacy and family and virtue and books and ideas and discussion and all the great Charlotte Mason things. And we thought, is there a way that we can write books in such a way that after reading our books that maybe wouldn't even like in mission and ministry motherhood, I don't think I even mentioned the word homeschooling. Um, And I thought, can we write these principles in such a way that people who don't think they're interested in homeschooling, can read them and go, aha, so mm. home is the place where I should be teaching, reading to, inspiring, instructing my children. And so there was never a desire. And, and I think, too, I, I have to be honest about this. You can cut this out if you want to. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I feel like, in some ways, sometimes the um, home education movement was co opted by people who had um, kind of an agenda in yes. some areas that we did not agree with. Right. And so we wanted to separate our holistic um, mentoring-based, literature-based, uh, organic-based philosophy from many people who were prescriptive, legalistic, patriarchal. And and yep. so that drove us to kind of create our own um, methods, means, um, environment influence. And so we we have been in the movement forever. But I think that we're much more oddly, like a lot of the people um, like you, and like our friend, like a lot of the people are really choosing to educate their children today, we were doing it, you know, 37 years ago,
0: yeah I'd agree and when I look back at your the pattern of kind of your communication together whether it would be in marriage or motherhood or education you definitely stand out amongst what else was being said in that Mm -hmm. time and what I also recognize is the longevity in your you're still here you're still (laughs) well and and I say that in the in the greatest respect because you're still you still are a strong voice a, a poignant voice in in the world of of home education and motherhood but also a strong discipler Mm -hmm. to us Um, and that is is, that's incredible that I feel like when I look back and I've been really interested in kind of the even the 80s kind of resurgence of what was going on in home education and and the people who have stood that that test of time and are still here Mm -hmm. still passionate about Mm -hmm. it still still wanting to invest in family and children Mm -hmm. and it's so refreshing I'm so grateful that you're still writing, Sally, and so grateful. How was the, how was that experience of uh, writing about home education again after all these years? Well,
1: it's funny because I realized I am more passionate about it than ever. I I think that another component in this is that my children, and you know some of them, um, but they started writing, speaking, teaching, um, developing their own arenas of influence and when people saw who they were, that they're wholehearted and, and that they're driven and passionate and that they're interesting and that they're mm. um, that they're educators of in and of themselves and that they you know, create music and books and ideas. Then a lot of people I, I, I actually put an Instagram post out and I said, what book would you like for me to write next? And mm. I did not even offer a book on education Um, as a as a possibility in the in the questionnaire and over 90 percent of the people said I would like for you to write a book about education how did you do it with your children and and so it was really my audience who prompted me to write this book because they were seeing the results of um, what had worked in in the lives of my children and they Mm. said we that's what we want we want that and so I thought, well, okay, I'll write this book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that, you know, I, I think too, uh, there's a third component. And that is, I saw a lot of, um, you know, it's so hard not to be devoted to the voices in your head from your own past.
0: Yes. Yeah. Or the sure. peer
1: pressure, the social peer pressure of the government, of schools, of whatever, this feeling that I'm not doing enough. And, you know, and mm. I've got to teach to the test and I've got to do right. all these things prescriptive things and um in my own life I've seen a lot of um children in the home education movement who have left their parents faith their values their core um their core ideas and I thought I really want to say to people don't worry about test scores you've got a lot more to worry about about their souls their consciences their virtue their vision for life and so I also mm-hmm. wanted to write a book that said it is not about test scores. And so right. those three components, my my audience, um, people wanting to know, what did you do to shape these kids to be who they are? And then the third thing mm-hmm. was thinking, please listen to me. Please do not focus on legalism or um, formulas because you're dealing with a real human being who has a soul and a personality. Right. And a drive, and you want to work with a person that they were created to be.
0: Amazing, and I love as well that you. I mean, Awakening Wonder really uh, reflects that because it's not prescriptive. Even though I think it's Chapter Seven where you kind of go into a little bit more detail of what that looked right. like. That people always want detail, right. don't they? They'll
1: think, but <laughs> it's it's two extremes. <laughs> they think, oh well, she did nothing, yes. or she did everything, <laughs> and I think. <laughs> no, you, yeah. you have to have a plan or no. your whole house will explode apart. Your children will explode at the right. first moment that you give them any leeway. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I could relate to so much though that particular chapter just sounded very much reflected our our, our learning days. But this focus on—I uh, mean, for for, the, for listeners, if you're not sure that the book is called "Awaking Wonder: Opening Your Child's Heart to the Beauty of Learning," and this idea of one, a wonder-filled life—I um, think parents, yeah, to, to come away from that, uh, the world's pressurized ideas on on standardized testing and outcomes. Actually, what you do is bring people's focus back to childhood and cultivating uh wonder and um thought and imagination in in children again i'm going to read uh, your work back to you here but this is i love this bit as well a child fashioned by a wonder-filled life will cultivate in a strength a confidence in his own ability to think evaluate and know but those who influence children must fight to protect time for the imagination to have space to work to have time to engage and i think Goodness do we need mm. to hear that yes. now more than ever I just um so a uh, long time modern miss Mason listeners will have remembered joy being on mm. the podcast in the first season, and she um inspired us in poetry, and I was just reading a Wordsworth poem and i I thought I always think of joy because she talked about <laughs> Wordsworth, but um he wrote a poem which also reminded me of your book it's called Influence of natural mm. Objects," and his The whole purpose of that poem was to call forth uh, and strengthen imagination in boyhood and in early youth. So, you know, writers like Wordsworth have been saying it from the beginning. Children need to strengthen Mm -hmm. this, uh, their imaginations. They need to put themselves in positions where we can call forth Mm -hmm. that. What is your, um, you know, how do we do that, Sally? How do we protect that time? in 2020 how do we help our children or he even just help parents to call forth mm-hmm. and strengthen imagination in young people well I,
1: I hate to be that person but i'm going to be um i wish people would read the book do it. <laughs> because <laughs> they will yeah, after because this, what sure. i want to say yeah. is that um you have to have you have to develop a core philosophy as you know um yes, because if right. you don't make a plan then life will be chaotic because um right. life just happens to you and um, and and so I I feel like um, what was the original question I'm getting out of out of source because I'm going to um,
0: how how so how do we and, and I'm I obviously I'm gonna I'm just reading sure. parts of the book I'm hopefully pointing people to the book as well but how do we how do we do that thing that Wordsworth was saying how oh, okay. do we call forth and strengthen imagination right. how do we protect.
1: Well, I think if you do make a plan of your priorities, uh, you know, what are your goals? Let's let's throw out all test scores. Let's throw out all um, rigid uh, demands. And and if if you could just be free for for one hour and say, this is what Mm. I really wish I could build into my children. If you would write your goals down and if you would make your educational goals dependent upon the virtues and the ideals that you wrote down, then you will you will write a much more, um, instead of saying, I need to get a textbook and this and this and this, and I need to get this and I need to buy these materials and spend a thousand dollars. If you would write down, I, I want my child to have a virtuous soul. I believe children are real human beings with unique personalities and unique fingerprints and DNAs. I want to unearth their, their personalities. I want to, I only have so much time. I want to expose my children to the most excellent resources and writers and artists and musicians. And if, if you, if you make your plan first, then you'll, you're, you um, you'll have a, a system through which to say, Oh, well, I guess I need to teach all my children together because I read all the same books to all of my children together. And we discussed it at the life giving table at night. So your, um, your educational methods should follow your educational ideals. And um And I I realized that uh, I wanted to introduce my children to the world around them because children are made Mm. to know and to to question and to have time to process and to engage in ideas. And so I would read these great stories and great literature and great science and great, you know, all the different things. And then um, we wanted to engage them. Charlotte Mason here. Um, Although, actually, I learned it when I was in Austria at a university, (laughs) but
0: um, we learned
1: that the more a child hears ideas, hears a story, hears literature, and then has to engage in it for themselves, the greater mental muscles they will have. And I I kind of want to say this to your readers in case they don't know me, but um, because it's, it's very unusual, and this was never our goal, but our children all ended up in English schools um in oxford and in cambridge (laughs) and in saint andrews and i think the reason that they did and they've all prospered and done well there too are getting their phd one finished her master's of theology um and then nathan is a writer all of his own but i think the reason that they became so engaged in the schools here and loved being able to defend their ideas and to become good writers Mm. is because um you speak english in the UK yes yes <laughs> and, so and that's what they, they were reading, reading all they? the great writers <laughs> they were reading um, yes, all the different people here and they had so formed their imagination on many of the great writers mm. and researchers here that they thought well we'll just go study there so um, they <laughs> are they <laughs> did do that. fine they, they absolutely did really well in the schools that maybe people um, in your audience would respect
0: Oh, absolutely, and I I love that what you're saying as well because we uh, we do talk a, a lot about that on here. Is that whole ownership of mm-hmm. ideas? Um, Charlotte Mason uses the the language about allowing them to dig for knowledge. So reading wonderful literature and then asking great questions right. around the table, just like the the pattern that you are are, are showing us is as. And I love that. I think that those conversations that that natural ability to just everyone get involved everyone has a voice what mm-hmm. do you think how does that make you feel they're such important questions oh, yeah. aren't they that draw out who mm-hmm. the child is now you've got uh, four children like me two boys two mm-hmm. girls same as me and yours um they they're obviously all so very different you must have seen even though you were reading the same mm-hmm. uh books mm-hmm. to them did you hear very different things come out of them? Because that be interesting to well, hear Well, of course. And
1: you know, I I worried too. Yes. Am I am I doing the right things? Because my son Nathan, who I'm convinced is one of the most brilliant people I've ever known, um, you know, he he said uh, he made a goal this year to read 40 books before the year was over. This is my this is my wow. ADHD, ODD, OCD. Oh my goodness, couldn't spell child. And uh, so I want <laughs> people to know that yes. there's a lot of brilliance resting in these artistic people that just may not show up when they're yeah. seven nine ten you know whatever and um you know i i mean i would think i don't i don't think he'll ever add two plus two or be able to spell a word but i could see no. within him this drive for story and pretend and he he debated deeply uh-huh. he, he never ever was neutral about any subject at the dinner table at night um you know I mean (laughs) yeah joy would say joy would say can we just (laughs) ask the teenagers not to talk tonight because um oh um, so Nathan was different (laughs) and then Joel was my very introverted um kind of renaissance man he was you know sometimes I would have to just really hold his face up and say look in my eyes when I say Mm. we're going to eat dinner I mean now honey now come on drop what you're oh. doing oh I didn't hear you so I uh, you know two boys <laughs> totally different I've yeah. got one of those I've definitely got one of those so lost in his world yeah. that I, have to I mean kind he of would get, come in at three in the sister. afternoon and say I'm starving when are we going to eat lunch and I would say we all ate three hours ago <laughs> um, that is just like oh, one yeah, of exactly well, so and funny. then you know with Sarah <laughs> and um Sarah and joy one is an introvert one is an extrovert and they had very different skills um joy loves to speak and teach and people would probably enjoy her podcast because it's so educational uh, speaking with joy
0: um oh, and wonderful. then Sarah yes. is more yeah. um,
1: introverted and and you know she's a little bit quieter and a little bit more um I don't know you'd probably be able to say it better than me but so not one of my children was alike um I saw aspects no. of myself in each one of them but I had to mm-hmm. trust by faith that if I let them grow forward into the unique people that they were that God had made them that um that it would that the education that I gave to them, the discussion the literature, the discipleship the um, work habits that that would be enough for each of them to use to go into their own arenas, and they have definitely pursued similar but different um you know Nathan is a film producer how I didn't teach him film producing mm. um but I gave no. him lots of food for story uh Joel is a composer um we moved 19 times seven times internationally I I never had consistent music teachers in his life and yet he's a composer
0: <laughs> uh, that is amazing I am I'm, I'm all I'm even seeing it you know my eldest is nearly 18 she wants to be either a um, an A and E nurse or a paramedic, and I and I'm thinking, how did that happen? Because <laughs> so, you know, I never was heavy on the sciences, but she's that's what she's going studying is sciences. Think, how did that happen? But they are so unique, and you you lay the feast, you you read and expose them to this rich beauty, but they become who God has created them to be, don't they? Ultimately, that is who they are, and we yeah, celebrate and that, don't we? Good
1: foundations yeah. can work for almost any any child you know there are certain core foundations that you give to them and then they exercise it the way they want to I love that Sally
0: I I, in the couple of minutes that we have I'd love to ask you and I'm sure uh, many mothers often think things like this but you're such a such a voice of wisdom and strength to thousands and thousands of women all over the world I know you are And, and and as I've already commented the uh, I'm so inspired by the longevity of your your work and your, um, you know, how you inspire us. Could you tell us a little bit about, do you have particular rhythms in your life that help you stay the course? Are there things that you do um, regularly, daily rituals, rhythms that actually you could say, you know what? Yes, these mm-hmm. really help me well, stay I would, the I would,
1: uh, we are definitely a, a family of rhythms, um, but I would say that, I had a vision. Um, I, I, I really pondered and studied the, the life of Christ um, as a young woman many years ago. And I, I I pondered, how did he so influence his disciples? He lived with them. He walked with them. He cooked them mm. meals. He taught them. He loved them. He served them. And so um, the, if I continue to ponder uh, the essence of mentoring and, and have him at the core, that that always keeps me going forward because they're very simple principles, mm. but very true. Um, he was the one who created human beings in my, in my own faith. And so he knows how to motivate, how to serve, how to inspire. And so I base a lot of, um, you know, I, every morning I'm a Yorkshire Gold person. Um, I, <laughs> I stomp on my tea bag until it comes out as black as possible, yeah. but, um, I, I get up early in the mornings, um, bedhead pajamas and I light candles. I put on music and I drink my tea and I have some, uh, some mm-hmm. time, uh, some time alone. And, um, even when my children were little, I was desperate for finding a way to have time where every day I I read a bit I I read scripture I read other books I uh, I just centered my soul and I think that it's if you can imagine um, a house is built by by laying one brick at a time and so I consider yes. that as one of my most important habits that discipline yeah. to feed my mind and my heart and my soul on the vision that I want to hold fast to. And um, mm. I also believe that wise women copy wise women or wise men copy wise men.
0: Yes. And so
1: I have gathered yep. mostly through books um, people I admire and want to emulate. And um, so I do a lot of uh, and I, I also gather around me um, women like you that I love, women who, when I'm with you, you mm. always um, bring life to me. And I, I make it an intentional um, kind of uh I don't know, a purpose of mine to put myself in the company of people who, um, lead me in the direction of my ideals or who can just be a good friend Mm, because I don't, I think that life is such a struggle and there are storms that we all have. We all have different stories. We all fail. We all have children who we think, where did that child come from? Or where did that husband come from? Or where did this Mm. story come from? And um, so I have found that I, I put people in my life that I regularly um, develop closer friendships with so that I know they will be committed to helping me feel loved, understood, supported, prayed for, and continue to be my friend.
0: Gladiola Garden by Effie Lee Newsom in red and
1: orange cream and rose the happy gladiola grows in slim green boots in tall green rows there are so many colors here so many tints, so much cheer oh little girl oh little boy in gardens of mixed shades much joy one really has to think of you for you are many colors too In cheery dresses, suits, and shoes, and those gay-colored hats you choose, with light and gladness in your faces, you make through earth gay garden places.
0: For listening don't forget if you loved it share it with a friend pop it on your social media whatsapp the link to your homeschool group and to help even more people find us why don't you take a moment to click those five stars on the podcast app and leave a gleaming review you can find me on my website on modernmissmason.com or on facebook and instagram most days again on modern miss mason have a delight filled week I'll be back here next Monday.